0: Wrestling Brethren Podcast, a show where professional wrestling and sports entertainment is discussed on a weekly basis. There are big event predictions and talk of what is liked and what is loathed, a show that does not cater to any one promotion, but rather welcomes all enjoyable content. With that in mind, here are Seth Zillman, Jared Aubrey, and Josh Weiner, also known as Xandrax Prime. And your host, Southpaw Josh. Welcome in to episode 325. I am here with Jared Aubrey tonight. Seth is out on assignment. And we will be going over some long-term storytelling. But before we do that, we got to get Jared's live report from the peg at his first AEW show. So,
1: Jarrett, how the hell are you? <laughs> well, Josh, I got to tell you, I am exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> I am really, literally right. running on fumes.
0: So. I cannot imagine why. It's what happens when they run a rampage right after
1: Dynamite. Oh, dear. Well, so even before that, so, I mean... Not to complain too much, but my day started at 5 a.m. when I got up to go to the gym. Oof. Yeah. So I worked out from 6 to 7, ran home, took a 20-minute nap, went to work. From work, straight to uh, downtown uh, to go to the show. The show started at 6. Not not 7 for Dynamite. show started at 6 because we had a taping or, or a show for Dark Elevation before <laughs> Dynamite started, which was kind of neat because we, I mean, there are some no-namers that if you watch it, you're, you're like, who the heck are these people? Um But a couple of cool moments, they had uh kind of a local indie wrestling, and you can't even really call it indie wrestling because it's just Winnipeg local stuff. Um, but one one guy that's been on the scene for a long, long time uh was was on the event. And you know, it the, the Winnipeg crowd, you you know, Winnipeg's a, a very knowledgeable and uh historic wrestling city. uh everybody knew who this guy was, so he got his own chant at an AEW show, which was really cool. Um so he got squashed by by Jake Hager, so we didn't have much of an outing, but you know, that's probably his 15 minutes of fame. So that was good to see for Uh, you know, for a friend of a friend. Um, Then we get into Dynamite, Dynamite from 7 to 9. Some post-show stuff, which we'll talk about. Then we got Rampage, and I can talk about it later, but I really feel sorry for the folks that are on Rampage because some people left after Dynamite was over, and those of us that stayed were absolutely exhausted from what happened on Dynamite. (laughs) <laughs> which we'll get into. Uh, we didn't have anything left in the tank to, to cheer or go crazy for rampage. So if it comes across uh, as awful, um, I, I can't even apologize for it. Cause we left everything on the floor for dynamites. So.
0: <laughs> yeah, it uh, the, I think they really need to rethink the taping schedule. Uh, it's really not fair for, for rampage and they're really doing it a disservice It's already low rated and low watched, and they're just not helping it at all. Um, Obviously, when they run it live on Friday, those shows do better or tend to do better anyway, and you can obviously see why. Yeah, I think they need to revamp the the taping schedule. You got
1: five days in a week, figure it out. Yeah, I I agree. Yeah, it was it was tough. It was really hard to get up <laughs> get up for rampage after what happened at that show. But it was, man, for my first AEW show, um so from walking in the door, we went straight to the merch stand and I was really disappointed in the merch stand. There was a line probably six sections long, and it was huge, it wrapped around the corner. And like, okay, we'll come back later, we'll find a you Know a spot in between. We'll come back to the merch stand as we walked by the merch stand. There was really nothing there, there was like six shirts. Like, you go to a WWE show and the merch is packed there's shirts, there's headbands, there's toys, there's title belts, uh, bandanas like everything. And this, this one, six shirts, and a couple of them were just generic AEW things. Uh, Kenny had. King Omega had his own shirt. Um, there's a Jericho Appreciation Society shirt. Nothing for Jericho, which I was kind of surprised about. And I can't. Sorry, can't even remember the other two. But so I was really underwhelmed about the merch. So we just decided to not hit the merch stand because I did not want to wait an hour in line for something that I didn't really want. Uh, so we just went down to our seats, and uh, you know, I, I'd, I'd have to bring up results for dark other than the the couple squash matches that i remember because there was so much wrestling (laughs) last night it just kind of all bled together um but man dynamite like how, how did the so when the show started josh how did the crowd come across on tv
0: it it looked like one of the larger arenas that they've ever
1: played to recently on tv and it was pretty loud well, that's good because I I haven't watched it back other than I went through a couple moments where myself and and uh, my girlfriend's kid were, were on TV so if you know where to look for us you'll you'll find us um, so I had checked those moments out but I've not watched the show back yet so I don't know what the crowd noise was like but dude it was it was nuclear from start to finish for, for that show the crowd was amazing um <clears throat> Was it a complete sellout? I think there was a few seats here and there. It was not a complete sellout. If it was, there was people that didn't show up, but there are a few empty seats just in you know a couple sections here and there. You could see some empty seats, but for the most part, it, it, it was full. It was loud. It was crazy. There was chants. There were signs. Um, I'll get in all the matches and stuff in a minute, but just thinking about the experience and, and what's different from a typical WWE show is you know in, in between so when you go to a commercial break at a raw or smackdown you get the lights dim folks hang out in the ring um and when commercial breaks over you know it's if they do like an entrance spot right there's an entrance and then they go to commercial they just kind of stand around and wait nothing happens and AEW w show and you've been to them so I, I hope it's the same for where when you were were there justin roberts keeps everybody entertained He's talking to the wrestlers. He's pointing out specific sections in the arena and getting us to cheer. He's introducing the security guards and the cameraman. Like, he's he's doing a really good job. So he's a big part of the, the live thing kind of off the air, if you, if you will. So he kept us going, which was really good. Uh, he got two chants. He got a Justin Roberts chant. He got a Dapper Yapper chant. Like, there's a chant for everything <laughs> last night if he, if we're able to hear on TV. But uh so those, that was good. Rolling through I right? rolling through the matches, rolling through dynamite. Like, wow. Uh okay, so I was a little bit worried. I'm you know I'm not an MJF fan. I was a little bit worried about the rebar mitzvah segment that I was just gonna be him talking for 20 minutes because when we were setting it up, we saw the balloons go up. You know, we got the entrance, we got the the blue and white streamers. Uh, we got his entourage, and like, here we go. It's a 20 minute MJF promo, and I'm going to want to stab myself with a fork. But thankfully, Jungle Boy, Darby Allen, Sammy Guevara all come out, and that was some of the best group work promo wise. I think I've seen in a long time. I really like Sammy Guevara not doing the his typical like really arrogant. Uh, really cocky kind of character it was like dead serious it was all this stuff from all all three of the, the folks seemed like it was all from the heart it was really cool It it's really enjoyable so, and the crowd was just crapping on mjf it was so good uh, i really liked the line from from sammy or no mjf said something to sammy about you know proposing to a new girl every six months and then of course sammy fires back with didn't your fiance leave you? And then you hear the entire arena goes, oh, and it was like really loud, like every reaction. like There was a reaction to everything, whether it was a chop or whether it was a big power move or a, a big insult like that. I mean, the crowd was all over it. And we were we were dead by the end of the night. So that was a fantastic segment. I loved all three guys just ripping on the MGF, so That <laughs> that made me happy. What do we have next? We had, oh, we had the um, Hangman Page in Dark Order versus the Blackpool Combat Club. So this is where you get to pick me out on TV because Mox comes out through the crowd. He hangs a left from where we are, takes a few steps, turns around, comes back. And he, and we were, so there's the ring, the floor, the walkway, and we were the first row kind of in, in the regular hockey seats. So row one there. So we had some pretty good seats. He walks right by us. Reached out for a hand slap, of course, didn't get it. Match was fantastic. It's because he's know. a heel now. Well, yeah, I I love these guys being heels. I mean, a Combat Club, like, come on, they want to want to kick everybody's butt, right? And Stu Grayson was over. I don't know if you could tell on TV because well, Canadian. Well, yeah, <laughs> but it was extra extra loud for him, which was really <laughs> neat.
0: It'd be like Colt Cabana coming out in Chicago, you know?
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was so good. Um, after the match, you know, they exited back the same way. Mox um, <clears throat> walks, walks or the group, walks right by us again. Mox has got his arms up in the air with the fist. So I reached out and <laughs> I gave him a kind of a forced high five. So you'll see that on TV if you go back and watch. So that was fun what was next jade cargill oh and nicole matthews yeah this is this was get a random canadian on tv because because canada um <clears throat> quick squash but we got the the intro for Taya valkyrie which was awesome she got a huge pop that was great you know the, the match stunk but <clears throat> her showing up was great then we got orange cassidy and and jeff jarrett which again so this was fun I don't like Orange Cassidy at all, Cassidy at all. <clears throat> this is fun to watch. Jeff Jarrett was great. I was a little suspect for this match that uh, I don't really like either of these guys. It's going to be no fun, et cetera, et cetera. I thought Jeff Jarrett was amazing. He was just classic. And um, when they went out and brawled around the arena and then up into the crowd, they went up our aisle. So I'm I'm there too, and they walk by, and Jeff walks by. He, you know, Orange Cassidy punched him. And he's kind of stumbling down the steps. I'm like, "Kick his ass, Jeff!" And then Orange Cassidy walks by. I'm like, "You suck dick!" And then so I, I kind of got my <laughs> I got my shots in, which was great. Um, <clears throat> but was it was it just me, or was this match like so overbooked? And how many headshots does Cassidy have to take with a? broken leg and he still keeps kicking out (laughs) like that was a little excessive i thought so a a little bit overbooked but still a really fun match
0: (laughs) i kind of tuned out in this match because as you said i'm not a fan of uh either (laughs) to tell you the truth and i was petrified for this match because i was like i don't want orange Cassidy to be champion i don't want to be champion he's facing jeff jarrett I don't want Jarrett to be champion. either. <laughs> so, <laughs> Please, for the love of God. So,
1: a, yeah. Sorry, go ahead.
0: I was just going to say it's, uh, you know, six of one, half a dozen of another. Yeah.
1: Yeah, right. There was a really cool moment in this match where Jeff Jarrett was going to apply the figure four, but then stopped and then turned it into a sharpshooter, which was really cool. A sharpshooter shooter with me, of course, you know Canadians, Bret Hart, sharpshooters. right? Yeah, uh, outcast segment. These ladies are growing on me. Uh, I was kind of like, oh, oh, they turned, they all turned heel, oh, but I like this. It's almost like a, you know, the outcast derived from the outsiders is kind of you know former WWE ladies against everybody else. So that's a that's an interesting angle to take. I'm looking looking forward to see where it all goes. Uh, I like all three of them, so I'm becoming a quick fan of these of these gals as heels. And I think Soraya said afterwards she got fined. She called them, you know, in in her amazing British accent, she called everyone else twats, and uh, you know, twats. And she got fined <laughs> for that, which was awesome. Uh, and then we got the match to to end all matches. Um, the main event, the, the trios championship. And, you know, just when you think that, you know, one Canadian comes out in an enter one, Winnipeg -er comes out in an entrance and then the second one comes out like the, the level of popping from the crowd just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And we all knew at some point, hopefully that that Jericho and Omega were going to go at it in the match it had to happen. They're against each other in a, in a three-way trios match. So when they ended up staring each other down and then going at it, the place just exploded. Felt like the building was going to shake or was shaking. I don't know how that came across on TV, but it was, it was so loud, Josh. It was thunderous in there. It was crazy. That whole match, everybody was on their feet for pretty much the whole match. Um They're loud. They're crazy. They're insane. They, Holy the the big dude from uh, the House of Black. Uh, I can't remember his name right now. Um, King, King. Yeah, him chopping people <laughs> was not just. And I hope you heard it on TV. It's not just the crack sound when you when you chop someone or the smacking sound. It was a thud and a smack, and you could hear it and you could feel it. And the whole crowd was just reacting to every one of them. The finish was. Green was was uh, a little bit predictable. Neither like one of the Winnipeg guys were going to get you know the win or anything. But yeah, the, the crowd lost it. The crowd obviously lost their mind for this. Uh, it was so loud. I lost my voice at the end of this, and um, I don't know what all was shown on TV. But Kenny Omega came. I uh, did a promo after the match. I think they were off air at, at this point. And it was you know great to be home that kind of thing. Um, you know, talking about the parts of the city he grew up in, how great it was to finally be back and be home, et cetera, et cetera. Then we got into to rampage and I can't even remember what happened on rampage. I was just so dead. Everyone was just so dead. Like I explained at the start, um, I do, like I said, I, I really feel bad for the folks that came out to wrestle because they, they worked their butts off. Like, you know, they did. And we just had nothing left. <laughs> There's, we were just so exhausted after that main event, but then try following that match live, like being the act that comes on next. That was just destined to to die, and and it did because we were all dead. There was maybe fifteen minutes with with Omega talking and, and the the <clears throat> excuse me the ring change between shows. Yeah, we're 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 just all all exhausted and we couldn't we could not get up for that match or or that part of the show. So, um, and then and introduced uh Sarah Stock that he hired, yes, yeah, another Winnipegger as a coach. Yeah, so that'll be great. That'll be great. Yeah, following Rampage, um. Jericho and Omega came out with their Jets jerseys. Don Callis came out. He was still in the suit. They all kind of promo about being back. And they guaranteed us that they are coming back there. Tony Khan came out a couple of times um, after the end of Dynamite and after the uh, after Rampage before um, the, the Winnipeg guys came out. And he was talking about how happy he was and how loud we were. And and what a great show it was! We got the, you know the debut of the international championship, and he was just stoked that we turned out and sold out the building, and we were so loud and so uh, into it, and such a great atmosphere. And uh, yeah, it says we're definitely going to be back lots. So that popped the crowd. We were all happy. Um, if we're going to become a regular stop, then then hey, I I tweeted him and said, can you hear this crowd? Just so like bring us a pay per view. <laughs> nice yeah you can't have all out though uh, that's okay i'll i'll take <laughs> hey you know what it, it took smackdown 15 years to come back in and, and raw almost 20 so you think we're getting a wwe pay-per-view hell no <laughs> you No, <know>, if we, <laughs> we can get aew to bring one it's like yeah bring it on we'll we'll show up
0: before i get into my thoughts on some of this stuff uh, a couple of things one i will say whenever you're there live the crowd always seems louder and then you're kind of disappointed when you watch back on tv you're like well we were louder than that it's all about how they edit it for what you want it to be but what was your overall first experience with an aew show like
1: summarize it sure yeah no um it was actually really good from start to finish i mean if we're just talking kind of dynamite in a bubble here it was really good the whole show was really good it was it was paced well um again i haven't watched it so i don't know what the production was like and how the cameras worked and all that but the environment was great they they found a reason to to pop us in every match and um, they had the right people out there at the right time doing the right thing. It was just, it was just fun. I mean, I remember talking about when I went to raw and, you know, folks I wasn't thrilled about, but it becomes different when you're live and you just want to be in the moment and enjoy what's and enjoy what's going on. This was a little different in that it just, it, it was the first one. It felt special. There were, Multiple Winnipeg personalities from top to bottom on the show. So it just kind of felt like a big special thing. And, you know, we got the, inter- the international title, we got Ty of Valkyrie, we got a lot of stuff. And I would put that show probably, I and mean, I've been to tens, if not dozen live WWE shows over the last while, including Raw and SmackDown. And I, I would put this on top of it. I think this crowd, just for all the circumstances I just mentioned, were hotter than they were for Raw or SmackDown. By far. It just felt bigger. It felt louder than it was um for WWE. It, it was awesome. You know, yeah, it was like I said, the the you know, just reacting to to moves being done, the the, the chop Oh reactions or big power moves or spots to the outside. It was was crazy. And oh, I got to see Ray Phoenix too for Rampage, so that was fun. Just remember that. No, but it was uh no, it was really fun. I would I would absolutely go back for sure. So much fun.
0: Now, would you agree a lot of what people say the difference is between AEW and WWE being in the crowd is that AEW is like a fun party because you get to participate in the sing-alongs with the music and you know the chants and the reactions and you get good wrestling and it's just like a whole bunch of fun whereas wwe especially pre-triple h H era it was a lot of just you were watching a television
1: production and the crowd not always into it well that's exactly the word i was going to use i was actually thinking of my answer ahead while you were talking and that's a really great way of putting it is that the wwe stuff especially raw and smackdown felt like a production it was very timed to the second it was done perfectly it, it was super scripted it was you know it was just done it was it was paint my numbers almost this show, the AEW Dynamite show, just felt like it was, like you said, it was like a party. It was, it was off the wall. Anything could happen. Um, like I said, Justin Roberts in, in commercials was, was unbelievable. He was telling jokes. He was, like I said, he's, he had sections of the crowd cheering against each other in, in competitions. He kept it fun, kept us going all night. And that, like I said, with the WWE bits, you know, we went to commercial and he just sat down and you waited for the lights to come back up. And then he got, tried to get back into it after the break there. There was no, none of that at AEW. They would, t- he would tell us Justin Roberts, okay, we're coming back from break in in like 30 seconds. And then he would try and wind us up to come back from commercial. And yeah, it, it absolutely felt like a, just a giant fun time and a giant party. And Um, That's why I think we were just all exhausted at the end of the night. I keep using the word exhausted, but that's what it was. We're just done.
0: Yeah, I'm definitely going to chalk up my Thanksgiving Eve show to just the holidays and people not really feeling it because that was my first TV taping for AEW because I had just been to the pay-per-views before and it was very lackluster and disappointing, but at the same time, there were a lot of people that were expected to be there and they weren't there because it was the first show after a pay-per-view. So, right. I'm going to I'm going to label that an anomaly. <laughs> Hopefully the next one I go to will be a lot better.
1: Yeah. And, and I was talking about that with, um, with my girlfriend's kid that, that I took with me and, He's he's a pretty mature wrestling fan and we can we can talk about the behind the scenes stuff and he gets it. And the one thing I said, okay, if is gonna come back a bunch of times or, or make us a regular stop or come a couple times a year or whatever it is, we can't always have Jericho and Omega, right? Like that can't be the the fallback to to get us going. They're gonna have to do a regular show with regular uh you know, the, the planned storylines and, and not try to do the special things just for the hometown crowd because it's gonna get right. the same and you know I don't want that because that's kind of what makes AEW different, is that they are different from WWE is they're they're not the you know the super formulaic way you know, that I just described for WWE. It's it's a party and we we can't have you know, we can't have Jericho to make a face off every time they come to Winnipeg. So um, hope they keep that in mind and and uh, they keep giving us a great product because that was just so much fun. Well, I'm
0: glad you had a great time. Uh, I got to sing Judas. Yeah, that's nice. the other thing I was going to ask about is on TV, the entrance themes were barely audible at all. And it was really disappointing because I was waiting to see if Taya Valkyrie used the theme that Josiah did for her, and she did, Um, but you could barely hear it. You could barely hear Judas. You could barely hear Jungle Boy's theme. I was like, what is going on with the production? So were you able to make out all the themes?
1: yep yeah we heard everything well in the arena
0: so it wasn't an yeah. audio live issue it was an audio no, broadcast no. issue
1: yeah not at all no we heard all the music great um there were a couple spots where we drowned it out like when when ty's music hit we heard it and then everybody popped and then i couldn't hear it after we popped so like i think we drowned out music a couple of times but in the arena like you could hear everything that that the microphones were great. the The ring mic was great. Like Justin Roberts was fantastic. Sometimes at WWE events, I have a hard time understanding the spoken word, like promos or the ring announcer. Um, but the music is always fantastic because they have a banging sound system there. But we heard everything great. Justin Roberts was clear and crisp. Uh, Dasha in in Rampage and and Dark was was great too. Music sounded awesome. Yeah. No, no problems. Okay. Try to
0: catch that when you watch it back is the, you can barely make out any of the entrance <laughs> themes. <laughs> okay. So now I want to get into some of the stuff I wanted to talk about in terms of storyline and character development.
1: And things. All right.
0: We'll start with the first segment, the Rebar Mitzvah, which kind of like you, I thought this is going to be uh, MJF um, Flates himself. promo for however long uh and and what was great about the interruptions is it was a youth movement focus it was their four pillars that they keep talking about and i thought it was great when mjf uh asks them what they want and they all in unison said we want a title match (laughs) Yeah. yeah i really liked uh, Jungle Boys promo. I thought it was great that he mentioned. Uh, he, you know, he's saying that MJF hasn't worked dark or elevation or hell even rampage. So his promo stood out to me. Sammy Guevara sounded like a babyface promo up until he uh, badmouthed uh, Canadians. Yep, and then he got them to turn on him again. But he, I was like, are they turning him face? He's in the main event as part of the JAS. What the hell are they doing? Uh, it's just uh, harkened back to some of those um, WWE promos where they say, uh, you know, they give a passionate promo and then be like, psych, I'm still a heel. Yep. <laughs> so uh, and uh, Darby Allen. He showed a different side of himself, uh, with his high pitched imitation of, uh, wrestlers complaining on Twitter I thought that was funny. <laughs> and so I liked all of it and it was just enough to, you know, even MJF got his zingers in there. Uh, the daddy daycare thing was hilarious cause they've all worked with a veteran, uh, you know, to get them either started or to this day, they're still working with the veterans. So I thought that was a great line. Uh, I had no problems with this, uh, so to speak, but I just wanted to reiterate how much I enjoyed
1: the segment. Yeah. I mean, if you're talking about storylines, so you've got options here, right? You could put Jungle Boy and Darby Allen and Sammy into a triple threat to determine a contender. You could do Uh, a four-way battle with all of them against mgf so different ways you can go with that too so it's a nice way to set up kind of going forward
0: yeah and obviously if you're going to do the four-way you can call it the four pillars match or something yeah the jade cargill nicole matthews match or squash I have a little beef here, and it has nothing to do with Nicole Matthews, and I'm surprised I didn't even think about her when I was thinking of possible Canadian answers to the uh, open challenge. But I knew Taya was going to be there as soon as she did an interview earlier in the week, and somebody asked her specifically, are you going to be in Winnipeg? on Wednesday and she said, no, I'm going to be at my house in Los Angeles. And as soon as she said that, I said, so we'll see at dynamite because that's one of the oldest tropes in the world is saying, of course, I'm not going to be there. What are you kidding me? No way am I going to be there? So she practically (laughs) gave it away. I'm glad that she's using uh, the theme that Josiah Williams did for her because that's a great theme love it. She's used it in Impact. She probably uses it in MLW and NWA. Um, So, I thought that was great. The one thing that pissed me off is, and I don't know if they did this just for the show because it was her debut and they have to pretend like they don't know about her past or whatever. But the announcers were like, oh, she insult to injury. She used jaded. She used Jade's finisher. Uh, Oh, my God. She stole her finisher. That's Taya's finisher also. She's been doing it forever. She did it even as Frankie Monet in NXT. And all the jaded is and the move that Taya does, it's the glam slam. And I know that she did it in NXT because that's when Beth Phoenix was doing color commentary on NXT. And they made a big deal about, oh, Frankie Monet used your move. What are your thoughts about that? Blah, blah, blah. So I'm cool with them doing move for move. But don't say don't call it jaded. Don't say she stole her move because she didn't. That's her (laughs) own finisher. So I'll have to hold judgment and see because she debuted on rampage at the taping. So I'll have to see, I'll have to, you know, I record rampage. If there's anything I want to see, I'll watch it back. And if they call it jaded again, I'm going
1: to be pissed. Yeah. Obviously I didn't, uh, I didn't get the commentary, but I'm like, Oh yeah, that was the same move. I, I caught that.
0: Yeah. So it's, They're both using the glam slam it's and, and she Taya calls it the road to Valhalla. So apparently the road to Sarah Logan. Dang, that went right over your head. All right. Uh. Oh yeah. You know, it completely did. (laughs) Oh wow. Yeah. So I'm all for this. If they make it a feud and if you want somebody who comes in right out the gate with believability to beat jade for that title you have it all in tie of valkyrie i can tell you that right now
1: definitely a credible contender right like what they say uh at the show she's jade was what 54 and zero. yeah, yeah. With that bring, bring somebody known in that's got some background to beat her absolutely
0: yeah and ty is currently the triple a reina day whatever women's champion she's a champion in mlw she uh she was the knockouts tag team champions as recently as tonight where uh she dropped the titles because obviously on her way out and that's all pre-recorded stuff but Uh, She's a multi-champion in multiple promotions. She's easily got credibility. So I'm all for this being a feud. And the sad thing is, I'm kind of more interested in this feud that's building over anything else in the next segment I want to talk about. And that's the outcasts versus the homegrowns or the originals or whatever. I'm kind of on the fence on the outcasts I'm enjoying Ruby riot or Ruby riot, <sighs> Ruby. Soho, I said riot. Cause it reminds me of the riot squad. <laughs> uh, I, I'm sold on her as a heel because she pulls it off. Well, and she was, uh, she told the truth in her reasoning, even though she used the age-old trope of you fans, you know, turned on me and made me do this, blah, blah, blah. But she, like I said last episode, she was spitting facts. So, Soraya as a heel is trying too hard. And I just don't buy Tony Storm as a heel, at least in this character. I think they're trying too hard. Surya coming down week after week and flipping off the fans, that's cheap heel heat stuff. Uh, Insulting the fans like she does, uh, all that's kind of, you know, (laughs) you can tell she hasn't been a heel in quite some time because she's using like heel heat 101 stuff (laughs) where she should be dialing it up to like 501 or some elevated level. but. Yeah, Ruby I buy, Soraya and Tony not so much. And the other thing I didn't like about this promo segment was they said, oh, we're we're dealing with a bunch of rookies. And then they rattled off Sky Blue and Willow Nightingale, fine. But then you lumped in Riho and Britt Baker as rookies. I'm like, (laughs) no. So that verbiage was not did not hit for me and um i don't know is this going to a female blood and guts match that's usually five on five you could get plenty of homegrowns to make your five but uh the outcasts would need two more so i don't you know if only there was a pair of twins who became recently (laughs) you know that would fit the mold of wwe without saying wwe
1: yeah i don't know about that
0: (laughs) (laughs) no that's the other thing that irks me about this is it's tell me you want a WWE versus AEW feud without telling me you want a WWE yeah. versus AEW feud. So that kind of <laughs> rubs me the wrong way too. Uh, did you guys get the QTV segment on the big screen?
1: We, we did. Yes, we did. Yeah. Shout out
0: to QT Marshall for calling Wardlow a dollar store Batista. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. Yeah, uh, not much else I can say about the show that you haven't covered already, but those were the talking points that I wanted to cover. The only other thing is it's interesting how some talents are going to be shifted to Ring of Honor and some are going to be both, like Claudio, for example. Claudio is Blackpool Combat Club, but he's also the Ring of Honor World Champion. So... Splitting duty, I guess.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, that's also happening in WWE, too, right? Johnny Gargano's just gone down to NXT to have a big fight. So, whether, I mean, it's maybe it's not the same, like maybe it's not a permanent thing, but there is precedent for Fog. Like Finn Balor has been back and forth. Uh, you know, Mandy Rose went down there, right? I keep saying down there, I should say over there. <laughs> Right get your ass down there in the minor leagues <laughs> supposed to be its own brand on equal footing, yada yada yada. It's the minor
0: leagues <laughs> when I get back in charge, it's three point oh damn it, oh gosh,
1: <laughs> no, right, yeah, oh, no, I was just gonna ask what did you, what did you think of the main event from like a wrestling perspective, like we were. You know, and live. We like I said we were all on our feet. There was nine guys in the match. There were people yeah. flying all over. There was lots of outside stuff. That's the Bucks are doing their top rope stuff. Omega is, um, you know, Blackpool's bringing the martial arts and the power. Uh, so many flippy things <laughs> happening, and, and guys just all over. Um, was it a mess or was it good to watch on TV? Because from where we like our vantage point it looked amazing.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm sitting there I'm like I can't believe we're getting this on free television. But it's I'm going to I'm going to say something that Seth usually says and it's not that I hate three-way matches but three-way matches in a trios like you said that's nine people. I mean it's tough enough to keep track during a Royal Rumble let alone or a battle royal, let alone an, uh, a three versus three versus three. I mean, that, that, like you said, there's so much going on, so many different styles. And then on top of that, you're going to bring down a fight from earlier in the night that's supposedly been going on this whole time, and <laughs> it comes pouring out of the rampway. What, nine people wasn't enough? Now you need six more? What the hell? So you you add all that together, it's 15 bodies going on as the TV goes off the air type of thing. And to your point earlier, because you weren't sure which parts were on air uh, or when they went off the air. They cut it at a cliffhanger to where Hangman was just slowly turning around. And he didn't fully see the elite like he was like 75% turned around. And all of a sudden it was just on the next program that comes that follows dynamite.
1: So oh, they okay. it kind of made a
0: cliffhanger type thing. I mean, you know where it was going, but that's where they cut it.
1: Yeah. So that, that little bit was, was much longer live. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, no, cause he, Hangman turned around after the ring was cleared, and then, you know, the elite's all standing there, and Hangman turns around, like fully turns around, and it looks at them, and I'm trying to remember if if they held out their hand for him to shake or not. I think maybe the Bucks did. Or maybe it was a mega. I can't quite remember. I think there was a handshake offered and he kind of stood there and looked at him for a bit and then turned and then walked out of the ring on the other side. Yeah.
0: See, there's that long term storytelling that we're about to get into. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so before we get into uh, that second part of the show, any final thoughts on your first AEW experience? Oh,
1: um, if that's what we get on a regular basis, like bring it on. I'll be, I'll be there, uh, every time. And at some point I will splurge for our front row seat, but no, that was, it was fun from top to bottom. Like I said, it's, um, they, they work to keep us entertained through the entire time that we were there. And like I said, we were there for almost five hours. Um, so like everybody worked hard. It was it was like you said a party atmosphere. It was again special because of the, the Winnipeg talent connection, but tons of fun. The wrestling was great. Um, just so much fun to watch. Yeah,
0: definitely going back. Excellent. Glad to hear it. That's kind of what I was hoping for. I would. I didn't think you would get a dud, but I was really hoping you wouldn't get a dud. <laughs>
1: I, I didn't want to over-hype it in my brain because, you know, it's like, holy smokes, it's like Omega and Jericho are coming back home. They're going to want, on a, want to put on a special show, so I don't want to set the bar too high. But <laughs> wherever I said it, they, they flew over it. So.
0: I don't what want do to think? let myself believe. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, so I wanted to. Kind of just talk about long-term storytelling just a little bit. We don't have to get into a diatribe about it, but it's, it's funny to me because a lot of people complain in this day and age of storylines that are hot shotted or forgotten about, or just don't seem to have a conclusion or a journey for that matter. And people demand and cry and bitch and moan, and as Darby Allen would say, complain on Twitter (laughs) about the lack of long-term storytelling. And then these are the same people that when they get long-term storytelling, they bitch about how long it's taking to get to the end of the story. So pick a lane, first of all. But secondly, there's in recent times there's there hasn't been too many long-term stories in any promotion but when they do for the most part it's pretty damn good obviously the current one is the bloodline which is two plus years of storytelling and it started when roman came back uh post pandemic disappearance obviously for his health. Then there's the current arc with whatever Bray Wyatt's doing, and that's that's one a lot of people are losing patience with, mainly because it's not really going anywhere. But even with his previous incarnation of The Fiend, that was also long-term storytelling. It just had Vince's hands in it by the end. Uh, another example of for WWE would be how triple H faced off against Batista at WrestleMania. And that was built up the year prior. And when you go to AEW, they don't have too many, certainly not currently. They've had some in the early part of their existence some culminated last year or maybe the year prior three that i thought of top of mind were the fall and the rise again of hangman adam page Mm -hmm. yep the cm punk mjf storyline and even cody versus dustin at the first double or nothing sure the build was on youtube but it was still existing and you could draw on their wwe history to build into that so jared what are your thoughts on it in the current landscape because obviously if you go back through the annals of time there's plenty of examples and obviously if you want to talk before the bloodline but another one that lasted about two years you can say uh johnny gargano and tomaso Ciampa and nxt yeah. so what do you think about long-term storytelling in the current landscape
1: in the current landscape it's hard to do um there's so many people involved and the way wrestling has evolved even from you know the the 80s until now it's super much more athletic, it's more high flying, it's more dangerous, it's more mocks type matches. And and folks get hurt. And sometimes that buries long-term storytelling. You can't do long-term storytelling with everything. You you just can't. It's nothing would come to a conclusion and it's you know wrestling sometimes time is sometimes it's called the the male soap opera and and stuff runs for long times but you can't tie everybody up in one big long angle if there's stuff that you just you need to fill a spot and you come up with something quick or you have something for a couple of months it has to be done so right and just not for the sake of during doing long term storytelling like the the bloodline is a great example it was hot off the start, stuff was happening, you know, it was getting the the Usos uh indoctrinated, it was building that, it was building that strength. And then it kind of flatlined for a little while. We wonder like why aren't things moving? It's just Roman beating people and the Usos beating people, but nothing's really happening storyline wise. And that went on for a few months and then it picked up again. So even the, the best long-term angles sometimes have their own individual peaks and valleys, right? I like long-term storytelling. I like having the opportunity to, to go on the ride, but it's got to get done. So right. All the little pieces have to fall into place. Um, and not everyone can do it. Not everyone has the creative brain for it. Um, sometimes you just need to throw two folks into a match and, and have an outcome and entertain folks and, fill some time you're not going to do long-term stuff that way um sometimes you need to get from a uh an event Royal rumble to wrestlemania and you kind of have midterm stuff like cody rhodes and and roman at this point um yeah but, but overall i'm i'm a fan of it when it's done right hogan and savage was done right tommaso Ciampa and johnny gargano was done right the bloodline for the most part Um, was done right. I'm, you know, you mentioned Bray Wyatt, and the early stuff was really good. the The fiend stuff, you know, when he was more the fiend wrestling. I the wrestling stuff, I really wasn't so interested in. I was, I wanted to see the Funhouse, and I wanted to see, you know, him do things backstage. What's going on now with Bray Wyatt is like it's super slow burn. Right, they they brought in, uh, you know, uh, Howdy there, and he was popping up with, you know, not really a ton of explanation, and then he jumps off a platform and seemingly dies, and he's been gone, and I don't know what's going on. So is it being done right? Probably not, but usually, you know, if somebody like Bray has has caught the the end goal in mind and he knows how he wants to get there there's a few special folks like that that you just go okay i know i don't like this right now but i'm going to give that person the benefit of the doubt and we'll get there and usually with him it's pretty good so I'm, I'm willing to do that and hang in there for the ride there are others that i wouldn't do that for but yeah done right amazing done right just for the sake of doing it not so amazing
0: yeah and the thing with bray wyatt in the current angle or story or you know character development the whole shebang is it doesn't always make sense and i know it probably doesn't make sense in a common sense way because it's the mind the creative mind of bray and it's all (laughs) jumbled up and fine but it's got to make sense in the wrestling world and for the fact that Uncle Howdy comes out and one time he hits Bray with Sister Abigail and then the other time he's helping him it's it that doesn't make any sense what which is it, or tell me something to explain why it is that way you know so it's it's bizarre now it's taken a break because of whatever you want to believe online, either there's a physical issue or a creative difference or whatever. So now it's not on right now. It's, it's very bizarre. He was involved with Alexa. Then she took a break. It's, and and that's part of what you said. If you're going to run a long-term story, you have to have every piece in place, stay healthy. And, you know, you're relying on a lot what's interesting with the bloodline is you know we had that scare with jimmy with his knee and jay with his wrist because all it takes is one injury and we're screwed so you know there's the art of selling but then there's also it's like oh shit is this legit oh my god what's gonna happen (laughs) so it's all those things and for this to have gone on for two plus years and it's still not even at its final chapter yet man i mean you're just you're just relying on a whole lot
1: yeah and not only injury but in the you know the certain cases of certain i'll say the word twice individuals um stuff happens outside the ring too that impacts what's going on in the ring and on tv um, so, um, you know, cough, DUI, cough, right? So, that that <laughs> kind of stuff, too, that's completely out of. Sorry,
0: no, I was just agreeing. I was like, oh, yes, that yeah. that, too. <laughs>
1: yeah, um, stuff was totally out of creative control, right? And, uh, you know, so when that happens, like that it just completely derails everything.
0: Except those DUIs usually end in championships, but... Well, yeah,
1: that's... (laughs) We kept saying that's the USO's good luck term, right? It's, oh, Jimmy got another DUI. I guess they're going to win the tag titles again.
0: Yeah. Or in this case, keep the tag titles. True. Yeah. And you can... Sometimes, if, if the story is special enough, and the impacted players or the storytellers are minimal enough you can even extend a story through injuries and surgeries because johnny gargano versus Tommaso champa was rife with injuries right, right from the get-go at least the get-go of the heel turn um, because they were building to it through the diy stuff but The night Tommaso turned heel, he blew out his knee in that match and still did what he had to do to complete the turn. And then he had to go away and have surgery, but they still were able to tell the story. So sometimes it can be done. Sometimes it it can be overcome or even integrated into the story.
1: That was so well done with those two guys. Absolutely.
0: So basically... For all the people that wanted long-term storytelling and saying that you hate Roman and this rain has gone on for too long. You're a hypocrite.
1: <laughs> yeah. He cannot have it both ways.
0: I want a good storytelling, but Roman's so boring. Um, turn in your wrestling card and go away. Yeah. Or wrestling <laughs> card.
1: If you think Roman Reigns is boring, just turn your TV off and go do something else.
0: (laughs) Right? Wrestling is not for you. So that is going to wrap it up for this episode. As we are in WrestleMania season, next week is the penultimate episode before WrestleMania weekend. And we're going to have some fun. We are going to book our ultimate WrestleMania card using matches that have existed from WrestleMania one through 38. So that's last year. You cannot use any of this year's booked card because obviously the match hasn't happened yet, so we don't know. If it's good or if it's crap. Would you like me to go over the rules? Good, sir. So you know what we're up against.
1: You might as well give me a reminder because I will botch something.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, I'll give you the rules here. And then obviously I'll give the rules offline so that Seth knows what's going on too. So here's here's how we're going to book your historical WrestleMania card. You need to book a card that must be 10 matches in total. You can only use matches that have taken place at WrestleMania's one through 38. You can only use a wrestler slash gimmick slash character once within your card. For example, if you use the rock, you cannot use Rocky Maivia. You can only use each title once, but you are not obligated to use them all. And the last rule is you can use multiple matches from a single WrestleMania if you would like. So in other words, for example, you would say what your opening match is, and then you would book Match number two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and then your main event. So in other words, you can say my opener is the battle Royal from WrestleMania two. And then, so in other words, you're not changing any results. You're not changing anything of what has already occurred. You get the match as it happened, the result and everything. You're just trying to book a historical and ultimate WrestleMania card. That's 10 matches long based on what we've seen in the last 38 years.
1: Wow. Okay. So I can't use Hogan versus Savage from what, WrestleMania five, I guess. And then I can't use Hollywood Hogan and the rock. I have to pick one or the other. Correct. Gotcha. 10 matches. All right. So, that can be done,
0: and you gotta decide which one is your main event. Because theoretically, you could book ten main events <laughs> if you wanted. <laughs> yeah, you could. yeah, yeah. So that will be next episode next week, and then the week following will be WrestleMania weekend, where we make our predictions for nights one and two of WrestleMania
1: thirty-nine. Ah, uh, time to get more points. <laughs>
0: Now, in past years, we would also include NXT's Stand and Deliver, but since we all don't watch on a regular basis, we will not be including Stand and Deliver.
1: Going to be interesting. Going to be a huge, huge weekend. What? Almost a, almost a dozen hours of wrestling. <laughs> I thought last night was exhausting. Holy! I've already told everyone around me to stay away. <laughs> don't bother me don't ask me to go out don't ask me to go play poker just leave me alone for for three days <laughs> the recharge is real it is
0: Are and any final thoughts overall
1: I'm tired <laughs> <laughs> have, have I made that clear yet I'm really that, tired that um,
0: is the ultimate final thought
1: <laughs> <laughs> not bad. <not, laughs> Yeah, I <laughs> you know, loved the show last night. Um, looking forward to it's kind of rekindled my drive to watch AEW. Actually, I suppose that's kind of the that's what they want. So, so that's good. Um, but I'm kind of getting into WrestleMania mode now. I'm getting getting uh, getting hyped for the show. I want to see what else gets. Uh, oh, um, one thing I wanted to ask you before we signed off was, so I read slash saw that they're really trying to get stone cold to come in to wrestle LA night. Do you know anything about that?
0: I have not heard anything about LA night. I had heard that they've been pitching him stuff since last summer. They wanted him to face. Um, who was it first? i forget who it was first but he said no and then they threw more money at him and said well how would you like roman reigns and that would not make any sense at wrestlemania because you can't just sub austin for the rock because austin's not related to roman (laughs) so i don't know how they would have pulled that off creatively um but again austin said no and then I had heard that they just wanted him maybe to appear. I was like, well then get him to host. And then they gave that to the Miz. Um no, I have not heard the LA Knight thing.
1: Okay. Yeah, so what I have heard read- that
0: LA Knight is in line for a push post mania. But that's all I've heard.
1: Yeah, yeah. What yeah. What what I read today was That's kind of why LA Knight has been talking so much on TV lately about you can't have a WrestleMania in Los Angeles without having LA Knight on the card. So they're trying to keep options open for him is what I read that they're trying to get. So apparently Stone Cold has been working out like a madman. He's in fantastic shape, but has, has just been turning down matches. Like you said, he isn't really interested in and coming back, they're really trying to push. And what I've heard has been multiple are a couple of options where they flat out have a match or Ellie Knight does a segment at WrestleMania where he cuts a promo about not being on the card. Austin shows up and they do a, they do something where Ellie Knight kind of gets ahead or something. And that kind of triggers his push post WrestleMania. So, yeah,
0: that would that would make sense. Yeah. The se- yeah. a segment and leading to a stunner or whatever.
1: Yep. So, but that makes me also happy that LA Knight is in line for a, uh, a push after us. I was, I mean, I was a fan of his in, uh, in NXT. So um looking forward to that. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Let me talk to you. <laughs> Okay, my final thought is to this day, minute, second, I still don't know who I'm picking for Roman versus Cody. <laughs> oh, you're not the only one, it, it, oh, man. If I was a lawyer, I would be able to argue both sides. It's man, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I will. I might just need a quarter to flip a coin. I. I
1: Hmm. Don't know. Either either way makes complete sense. Yeah. Right. And that's a that's a great spot to be in. Like you don't feel like you booked yourself into a corner. And, and
0: that's the thing. You can enjoy the match. Yeah.
1: Just go for the ride. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Right. I mean, can, <laughs> if we can just let go and and well. I know Roman's kicking out here because, like, he's going to beat Sami Zayn or whatever. You know, there's there's no suspense to the match, and like we kept saying in our last couple of reviews, is we kept waiting for the post main event and stuff, right? Right. Now we just get to go. We get to be a fan now, and that's exciting for me. And like I said, if Cody wins, you know they've they've built him up through the Rumble. They keep, they've they're keeping him strong and undefeated through to WrestleMania. It also makes sense. If Roman wins and we continue, you know, with the the reformed bloodline following WrestleMania, um, so I'm I'm super super stoked for that. I, I I just wanted, like you said, I just wanted to sit back and just be a fan for that match. They say the promos
0: are the things that put the butts in the seats. Cody's promos hmm. are what is selling me, arguing in his favor. And the thing for Roman is, okay, we're gonna obviously get him to 1,000 days, but if not now, then when? And if not Cody, then who? So so those are the things to consider for the next two weeks until we make our official predictions.
1: Yeah, I I hear things like, oh, I'm undefeated since I came back to WWE, I'm like, "Uh uh-huh, okay first loss at Wrestlemania (laughs) right (laughs) and then you hear the other stuff that goes on between him and him and like oh man Cody needs to win this and I'm just completely torn in two over it I mean I want I know what I want I want Roman to win and continue on to a thousand days but um, it it completely makes sense for Cody to win and he's he is the right guy at the the right time Uh, we'll just see what the plans are
0: to be continued. <sighs> All right. Well, we need to get Jared some shut eyes. So <laughs> we're going to wrap it up and say thank you once again for listening, downloading and subscribing. And we will talk to you next time. Thank you for listening to this episode. You can subscribe to the Wrestling Brethren podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, or wherever you get your podcast fix to hear the latest discussion from the Wrestling Brethren. You can visit us at TWBpodcast.com for posts and episodes. Visit the mothership, if you will, at BehindTheSquaredCircle.com, home of the Behind the Squared Circle podcast network. Let us know your thoughts, questions, and comments on Twitter at TWBPShow, on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash Behind the Squared Circle, and on Instagram at The Wrestling Brethren. You can follow Jarrett on Twitter at TheBaconRev. You can follow Seth at Lord LordZandrax, and you can follow Josh at SouthpawJosh. Thank you again for listening, and we will talk to you again soon with more from The Wrestling Brethren.